Welcome back to DC Cinematic Minute, the daily podcast in which we analyze Suicide Squad by each individual minute. My name is Mark. You can find me on all social media at Mark Meadows. And my name is Nathan. You can also find me on social media at NoClutchNate. And today for Suicide Squad Minute, we're talking about Minute 135, which is the last and final episode of our journey to cover Suicide Squad by each individual minute. And the minute is going to start with credits. And it's finally going to end, but instead of talking about credits, like we don't ever do, uh, we're going to... We did it for a little bit. We did it once. We did it for Man of Steel. We did it for Man of Steel, and then... We did like half credits of Donald Justice. Yeah, and then we decided to do other things. And we decided to play games. Uh, but we've been trying to keep things more interesting. Uh, mm-hmm. So uh, today for our last and final episode, uh, we're going to be talking about the comic book's that most directly influenced the 2016 film that we've been covering. Um, 2006 Fiend. 2006 Fiend. We got a 2006 Fiend on the loose. Yeah. That's, that could have been... 2006 Fiend? Oh, yeah. The 2006 film Fiend. Oh, that's a yeah. good one. Or I mean, 2006 Fiend could just be like a gamer tag. You can tell we're burnt out by now. Um <laughs> But Monday this week, uh, this has been our long week of just uh, analyzing and reviewing the related works of Suicide Squad. So if you've been interested in this movie and want to experience more Suicide Squad, uh, we talked about the prequel tie-in comic on Monday. Tuesday, we talked about Batman Assault on Arkham, which is a Suicide Squad-based animated film set in the Arkham Asylum video game universe. And then we talked about Suicide Squad Hell to Pay, which was part of the DC uh, Universe original animated movie cinematic universe. That's a mouthful, man. Oh, it's, it's, I think I got it wrong, too. I think it's like DC Universe animated original movies or something like that. It's, uh, there needs to be a better name for it. Um, but we talked about Suicide Squad, Suicide Squad Hell to Pay the animated film on Wednesday, and then Thursday, yesterday, we talked about Justice League Unlimited, the Task Force X episode of the Justice League Unlimited show, and today we're going to be talking about comic books that influenced the movie, Um, and so let's just jump in, and you had some questions that we're holding off for today, but as we start this episode, uh, I guess that brings up the question, what comic books did influence the movie? Mm-hmm. Um, there is no direct answer, so there's just basically the internet researching and kind of trying to pull the pieces for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, one of the big influences of this film was the 2011, the New 52. Um, some people call it Suicide Squad Volume 4, but it is the fourth wave of Suicide Squad, which is the one that included... Uh, one Harley Quinn into the mix. Um, and I think that's what one of the questions you had earlier in the week. And, yeah. And we kind of stalled that. Like, mm-hmm. why include her? Yeah. When, why, and how is Harley Quinn included into the Suicide Squad? Really just like when and where did that come about? Like, where did that idea come from? I don't know if we can actually fully answer that question. Uh, maybe you can, maybe if you followed people like how I was saying, like Gail Simone or someone like that, that actually knew the character of Harley Quinn and 
why they chose to bring her into a team-based form instead of her just being tagged on to Joker stuff. The obvious answer is strong, independent woman, misfit. Yeah, she's already incarcerated. Anyone. You're right. They could have used anyone, but the point being, pick Harley Quinn. Probably fan favorite in there was also uh, thrown into the mix. All the things from the animated series, it was just something that they probably did. I don't have a clear answer, so my question was to you, Mark. When when was that inclusion incorporated? So with New 52, you know, being the New 52, the, the new era of DC Comics, there was a lot of things that were tonally changing on purpose because they want to change things up. The whole point of resetting the universe so they can do things all new and and, and take risks where they want them to. Um, DC Rebirth basically reset the universe again and tried to go back to its roots as far as like, this is, you know, kind of like we took risks with New 52. They didn't pay off. We're just going to reset the universe. We're going to bring back old Superman, kill off a New 52 Superman, kind of things like that. Mm -hmm. Things where it's like, well, let's just get back to the things we all know and love. Um, the New 52, one of the first things that they wanted with this universe is that there would be a removal of the Joker character. We were doing this whole New 52 Batman, but Batman was going to be tackling the Court of Owls. Mm-hmm. And we were going to and we were going to put Batman into more detective stories and 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 have this Batman who was just having really good stories and and fan service such as like the the song and dance that is that is often repeated by Batman and Joker was just going to be like it happened mm-hmm. past tense we're not going to talk about it anymore he's no longer in the picture so Joker is removed and so you kind of have to think okay well what to do with the Harley Quinn character um, and in the John F. Ostrander um, 1987 original Suicide Squad run um, that that su- that comic book series that basically made the name for the Suicide Squad and Task Force X, Joker was once part of that. Um, and so they were like, well, if Joker's out of the picture, Harley Quinn is a free asset, basically. Mm-hmm. She doesn't have to any, any ties. So Free agent. Free agent, exactly. What to do with someone like that who, you know, has to fit in somewhere. It seems like an obvious choice that she could be with the Suicide Squad. Okay. And this wasn't like, this wasn't something that they put Harley Quinn in Suicide Squad going, this is going to sell. I think they put her in Suicide Squad and then the book sold. Okay. It became a huge thing where it's like, if you love Harley Quinn... At the time, there was no Harley Quinn books. Mm-hmm. It was just like, she's front and center on this book. And she's a big character. And it's just bad guys doing bad things. And people are di- and, and characters will die. So it was a hot commodity. It was a, it was a hot sale. Um, and, and this was a big success for the New 52. It was one of the most successful books to come out. Um, and this was what really skyrocketed, like, I think... You know, right before that, it was like 2009. They were like, we want to do a film. And then this book came out like two years later. And it was like, and this is what it's going to be about, you know. Um, but 
so that's how we got Harley Quinn into the picture, and 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 now, from now on, I think she's almost a staple. Like, I don't think you can really get rid of Harley Quinn and still have a successful Suicide Squad, you know, selling point. I don't mm. know if you can remove her. And Is she still currently in Suicide Squad? She has her own series. She has her own series. I think they've attempted to get away without her. Mm-hmm. But I again, I don't know if that's successful. Yeah, I don't know either. Because uh, I don't know a lot of people who are staying for the Deadshot stuff. Unless you are a true Suicide Squad fan, then you would probably be like, I'm just in it for the Amanda Waller, Rick Flag, uh, Deadshot kind of stuff. So, um. Yeah, that's how Harley Quinn got uh, into all of it. Mm-hmm. Um, does that answer your question? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I mean, like, it, if it was if it was as easy enough as a thing where it's like, hey, Joker at one point was in the Suicide Squad. Let's just fill this slot. Uh, girl version Harley Quinn. Yeah, I buy it. I can see why that happened, and I understand. I also understand the fact that Harley Quinn was a big property in pop culture with. Even without the use of book sales. I mean, just judging by, like, Hot Topic sales and stuff like that. Just, like, Harley Quinn property was just selling as much as Joker property. And probably as much as Batman property. Um, So it just probably was the wiser to add her into the the unit. Absolutely. Um, The other big influence, as you might guess, uh, was the John F. Ostrander uh, 1987 run, which is you know what is this is what started it all as far as like if you want to go back to the suicide squad roots and and see where it all kind of really turned it into its own entity it was this comic book series run and this is where you got those core characters where it was um deadshot enchantress boomerang captain boomerang um enchantress bronze tiger oh i do see bronze as a tiger yeah like Tiger humanoid. Here, let me let me try to let me try to name off these people that I'm looking at this page right here. So we got to the to the right, you got Deadshot. To the left, I'm assuming that's Enchantress. Mm-hmm. Below her, Boomerang. To the right, under Deadshot. Hmm. Take a stab. Just guess a name. Talia Al Ghul. Keep nope. going. Well, I'll I'll correct you after. Keep okay. Keep going. So it's not Talia Al Ghul. Under her. Uh, man with a gun, dark hair. I'm assuming Rick Flag. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bronze Tiger. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have two what other looks characters. like Geoforce, um, or a Terra or something. Not Mark's not saying anything, so it's not that. And Keep then going. the one next to her, dark-haired female. Um, couldn't tell you. But here, let me tell you something. I do remember. That that one girl from Hell to Pay, Julie, was also an older Suicide Squad character. Was any one yeah. of those girls Julie? We'll find out. Julie? It was Julie, right? Julie, do the thing. Wrong property. So, our initial uh, Suicide Squad cast was um, Amanda Waller, Rick Flagg, Bronze Tiger, Captain Boomerang, Count Vertigo. Okay, so Dead another sh- another Hell to Pay person that they Dead added. Shot. Uh, Poison Ivy was in there at one point. Um, and then you also had um, uh, Oracle. Barbara Gordon was in there at one point as well. Like incarcerated? Yeah, not... She, well... Not Did she have a bomb in her neck? 
not in, uh, incarcerated, but she probably worked for the team as well. Okay. Um, I'm trying to think who uh, Nightshade was in there. Um, which I think Nightshade, yeah, Nightshade was in there at one point, and yeah, Oracle was in there at one point. So Oracle, um, yeah, she's the information broker, and she does the radio support. So Oracle was the eyes in the sky for the Suicide Squad. Wonder if she had a bomb in her neck. I don't think that would be a thing. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it is it is kind of interesting. Um, Enchantress is very much like a witch type character. Bronze Tiger is the human like tiger humanoid thing that we got to see. He's the muscle, so he's like the croc or mm-hmm. the killer shark or king he's shark. A, he's the big guy. He's okay. the big guy of the group. Um and Enchantress is a weird one because Enchantress had been introduced in another comic series before uh is it Suicide Squad or is it Task Force X? It's just Suicide Squad. Okay. So in Suicide Squad 1987 run, Enchantress is part of the group, but she had already been uh previously incarnated in uh strange adventures yeah strange adventures which i think also that was the first suicide the first note of task force x yeah because it was like a big celestial god was beating them up and they were like send on task force x and they Mm -hmm. just got smacked yeah and that's strange adventures is also how we got doom patrol before Mm -hmm. doom patrol before arnold drake took over Mm -hmm. um that's when we saw Rita Far, Negative Man, and Robot Man fighting, you know, just the whack. skiing robot. Yeah. So, um, Strange Adventures uh, 187 was 1966, is when June Moon uh, is this character who's taking a trip to Terror Castle. Terror Castle is a nice. Terror Castle? Like Not a Terror Castle? Like ter- um, Tower of Terror. Terror. Um, there was a Goosebumps books. I think it was called One Night in Terror Tower. Uh, yeah, it was a movie. No, Goosebumps book. Wasn't it also a movie? I don't think so. Hmm. I thought that was a movie as well. Um, I remember the cover had like a, um, had like a, um, medieval. Exec- execution or medieval yeah. guy coming that down the stairs on it. was the second Goosebumps movie. Oh, really? Yeah, after the- Oh, like the, the ones that they aired on Nickelodeon or whatever? The ones that came out on VHS that were like a big deal. Yeah. Like, oh, like, yeah. I had that one and I had the one- The mask uh, one. Nope, it was the 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 little shop of horrors one. The girl's dad was like poison ivy, pretty much, and he uh, turned and he turned into plant man. That's terrifying. Um, so yeah, June Moon in the Strange Adventures issue one hundred eighty seven. Um, this is her origin story as far as comic books, and this is what's going to influence the two thousand sixteen film to have Enchantress be this, you know, like which. Ha- yeah, how she gets this possession mm-hmm. in her. It stems from this issue right here. Um, so she's doing this, you know, excavation through Terror Castle, and she encounters this, like, mystical force. And if she speaks the word Enchantress, she'll, she gets granted powers, but it turns out to be more of a curse than it is a blessing. Um, and that gets fleshed out in the Ostrander uh, 1987 run because... She's trying to figure out how to deal with her power. So it's a little Doom, Patro- Doom Patrol-esque where it's like, I'm cursed with this, I'm with you guys, I, I, but I want to figure out mm-hmm. what to do with this um, issue. So there's a there's a nice blending between the two, um, the, the two uh, comic books. Um, 
but in the strange adventures one it it's later on down those stories not exactly an issue 187 but later on in the strange adventures comic series uh you actually get a name for the demon itself enchantress you know like how we had june moon and then you had like witch doctor enchantress in Mm -hmm. the movie uh that character's name is actually um and i might mispronounce this but it's either called uh dasmore or zamore there's a spare there's a difference in spelling when the character is originally created and then further on down the line where it's like dasmore was how it was originally spelled and then zamore so when we reference i guess it's what we should have been doing in the, the whole time is when we reference that part of enchantress it should have been zamore it should have been by her name kind of like uh in Ghostbusters, when they had like the actual names for Zool, them. yeah, but and then also Sigourney Weaver's character, she was like another possessed, yeah. Dude. So it's kind of like that where they the character actually had a name. Um, it's also like uh, in Poltergeist and Poltergeist and the Exorcism or the Exorcist, where those demons actually have names, and you start to see that now in, in like those kind of possession films where it's like. Oh, this demon has a name. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paranormal Activity, I think, also does that. Where it's like, yeah, but it isn't that that kid, that Joey kid, or whatever his name is. Oh yeah, the demon was called Joey. Was it? Yeah, it wasn't Joey, <laughs> but it was like Tommy or it had like a boy's name. Demon Tommy. Something that was, like that, that was his name. No, it wasn't Tommy. <laughs> so like the who? If you're looking to find the the influences of uh, Suicide Squad. Uh, directly i would start with those um the original run of suicide squad from john f ostrander that's how you're going to get like what is the suicide squad if you want to go right directly to the source if you want to see more harley quinn suicide squad and you're not reviewing what we've already talked about the new 52 run volume one of that which is i guess some people call it suicide squad volume four because they think about the whole um suicide squad franchise um that's where you're going to find suicide squad with harley quinn and deadshot interacting with each other um the 1987 run is how you're going to get john f ostrander's rick flag deadshot kind of that kind of dichotomy Mm -hmm. that you see in the film as well um, and then to really understand like the mythology of Enchantress and where they might have wanted to go with that, you would want to probably start with Strange Adventures. And then there's a really good article by Andrew Dice um, from Screen Rant who wrote this amazing article about kind of like more mythological references and biblical references uh, because there's a lot of Christian uh, influence in the DC Cinematic Universe with Superman, but also with the characters in Suicide Squad, like Diablo and stuff like that, and how they deal uh, with sins and crimes and stuff like that. And Enchantress with her mythology from Sun and Moon. Um, if you're looking for that, I strongly recommend uh, you check out the article Suicide Squad villain uh, or the the comic books that are used to influence Suicide Squad, uh, Andrew Dice wrote an article on Screen Rant about it, and it's a very uh, well-written, very well-detailed and annotated article. I strongly recommend everyone read it uh, if they want to know more about the influences. Um, 
But now that we've talked about what influenced the movie, let's take a bit to compare the final product since this is our last episode. And how do you feel about everything we've talked about regarding Suicide Squad this week mm-hmm. and and the film that we got to talk about? Is there any reservations that you might want to go ahead and like let loose since it's the last one? Yeah. Um, the film fell short of what I believe Suicide Squad and Task Force X can be. Potential. It's potential. Especially after doing this other research of finding the other properties and finding the other animated things and seeing Suicide Squad in action Mm -hmm. and not just reading the books, the film fell very, very short. Again, I was going on with the Assault on Arkham idea of them being heisty and them being here's the job here's the plans here's your disguises get in get out hopefully you don't die but you know if things go awry you have a bomb in your neck i'm on board with that what i'm not on board with is faux justice league team fighting an actual league threat because then at the point you just go back to the strange adventures uh, book Mm -hmm. and it's just that suicide squad gets their task force x gets built up to defeat this celestial being and instantly gets taken out of the picture it's essentially what would happen but if you were doing a task force x infiltration thing you get you 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 got some leg room you can you can work with that a little bit my final thoughts is just the movie fell short there's so much potential I'm not saying that I'm completely turned off of Suicide Squad. I'm not saying that I don't like David Ayer or I don't like anybody or I don't like anything. No. I've come to appreciate this movie and its characters and the actor portrayals and what David Ayer did for the movie and amongst amongst all the editing mishaps or whatever you will. The property has potential. This movie fell short. Let's see what James Gunn can do next. Mm-hmm. That's my thoughts. Yeah. I agree that this movie, when you really put a magnifying glass on it, you can see a lot of care into being uh, like nods to what influenced it. Like the other Suicide Squad stuff, Amanda Waller, Task Force X, Harley Quinn, Enchantress, Joker, Gotham. There's so many things that this movie is like, yes, we have done our research and we know Suicide Squad and we're here to, we're here to show it to you. There's a lot of that in this movie, but the story is what fell short because the story seems put together and it doesn't seem like a coherent story. And I, and that could easily just be editing. It could be, Mm-hmm. but the issue is that they released it that way. They released it knowing that the story was very Frankenstein at the end. And, and a lot of the great suicide squad stories have been great. Suicide have been mm-hmm. great stories, you know, sans suicide squad, just be good story. Mm-hmm. And it's more so this is a good showcase of suicide squad but it's not a good story. And so the potential that you're saying it has is is valid because 
it's when you look at this film the way it's presented it doesn't seem executed as best as it could because we have things to pull from like the books and the other animated films and even a TV show episode and be like, look at them executing it well because the story is there. Mm-hmm. There is a there is a rhyme and reason for the motivation of the characters and then there's the the expectation for things to go unexpectedly. And that's what needs to happen moving forward. And like I've said many times, yes, this film has problems, but I love what they I love what they've created. I love these characters and I want to see more of them. And so as we move from Suicide Squad to The Suicide Squad, in the future, I'm hoping that the sequel doesn't take away the best parts of this Suicide Squad movie. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I don't want retconning or I don't want it trying to just appeal to the people that didn't like the film. I just want them to prove that these assets from the 2016 film can be in a good movie. Mm-hmm. And, I, and that's what I hope for. I hope that... WB has the confidence and trust to let James Gunn and whoever else touches the Suicide Squad franchise for a live action film to just do their thing and deliver a good film for the audiences and that they're just there's trust again because and I say that about any DC film at this point Shazam Aquaman Wonder Woman Justice League trust the filmmakers because when you don't, we're going to end up like this film mm-hmm. and Justice League and Age of Ultron. Those have been like films that have been disappointments because there's this need to fix what the directors are doing. And it makes it worse. It makes it ident- like, z- like non-identifiable. It's like you can't, there's no identity mm-hmm. for the film. So as we wrap up our 135-minute escapade to cover Suicide Squad, minute by minute, uh, I want to give a huge shout-out to everyone who listened all the way through this podcast. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you guys stuck with it, and thank you for being patient as we talked about the good and the bad of this film. I think it is nowhere near as perfect <laughs> as Dawn of Justice and Man of Steel, uh, but that goes to show how well those you know those films were taken care of by their directors and their filmmakers and i want that to happen again Um, there's beauty in suicide squad this film um, but it's muddled with all the uh, corrections that are trying to be put on it and uh, nate do you have any closing notes before we move on to our next season it was a fun journey it was trying at times um but it was still fun nonetheless um, I'd like to thank a huge, huge shout out and thank you to all of our past guests that came on and joined us on all the episodes. Um, good and bad alike. You guys are just as much of a star in this movie than uh, than the actors and everybody. Yeah, absolutely. at least from my standpoint. Um, but yeah, thank you all for joining us in on this. Um, final notes. I think I gave all mine. Yeah, I'm excited for what we have to do in the future. Yes. Um, it's fun to look back and, and, and reminisce on the movies like Man of Steel and Dawn of Justice and 
to look back and say like, dang, we actually did analyze that movie minute by minute. And now, as much as I might not like to say, Suicide Squad is one of those movies that it's like, dang, I spent like nine months Mm -hmm. talking about this movie. We just saw Suicide Squad uh, in public the other day where it was like we were passing or we were working out. Oh, yeah, I was working out. It just I turned on the TV on the on the elliptical and it was on TNT. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, okay, I'm done. My workout's (laughs) over. (laughs) And it's like you see the film and it's like, oh, this is a film I had to study. Yeah, I studied this film, this film that people talk about. Uh, it's, it's been an incredible journey and, uh, we did it. We talked about Suicide Squad minute by minute. Mm -hmm. No one can take that away from us. And so today we are wrapping up minute 135. If you enjoyed everything you heard, you can find us on all social media at DCEU Minute and the Facebook group, the DC Cinematic Minute Listeners Society, where you can join us to talk about all things Suicide Squad because we've become experts in the last five episodes about pretty much all of it (laughs) um so you can join us to talk about suicide squad there uh or anything else whether it be dawn of justice minute man of steel minute doom patrol radio where we talk about all the episodes of doom patrol the tv show on dc universe or if you're looking forward to talking about wonder woman which is our next minute by minute coverage you can join us there and we'll catch you guys next time here on dc cinematic minute